0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. In the book of Acts, chapter 11, and verse 26, there's three sentences in that one verse. And the last sentence says, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now, we know there was a Church in Antioch, and those that uh, observed the disciples from without referred to them as Christians. They didn't call themselves Christians necessarily, but they were referred to as Christians. And by that, those that called them Christians meant that they were the followers of this man, Jesus Christ. That is, whatever he represented, whatever he taught, they embraced those teachings and followed him. Now, in the United States today, there is about 200 different groups or denominations that identify themselves as Christian denominations. Once in the Bible, the Apostle Paul asked the church at Corinth, is Christ divided? And we know that Christ is not divided. But when we look at the culture in which we live and recognize that there are hundreds of different religious denominations who claim to follow Christ, And yet they have different beliefs about Christ. They have different practices. Some have many uh, various auxiliary organizations in the church. Some like us have uh, very few, or in our case, not any uh, auxiliary organizations to the church. So I want us to consider the question today, What is it about Christ that is most central, basic, and simple? Because most of you are familiar with the verse in John chapter 4 about verse 24, where Jesus told the woman at the well that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, And he goes on to say, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is looking for and interested in people who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, you know, the idea in the world today is, well, there's just one God. So as long as we love God, uh, that's really all that matters. Uh, We're all working toward the same goal. But think about that if it was applied to your life. Would you want someone just to believe anything about you? Or would you want them to believe the truth about who you are? In other words, I would not want to be misrepresented. I would not want someone to tell something about me, especially if it was something bad, that wasn't true. Well, how much the more is it wrong to misrepresent the Lord? So my purpose today is to try to get as basic and simple as we can. Now, let's begin in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 2. Now, keep in mind, Paul is writing... To a church, a group of baptized believers like we have here today. And Paul writes to this church in 2 Corinthians 11 and 2 and says, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now certainly uh, young people today ought to have the desire to be virgins when they marry. And having that desire and that moral principle, you would not want to, for someone in the community to misrepresent you in that regard. Well, Paul says, using that symbolic language, that I want you to be a chaste virgin to Christ. What does that mean? That means I want you to be attached to Christ alone. Now, it's easy to say that. But to say that you're a chaste virgin to Christ means that I fully embrace who Christ is. Now, notice how he develops this. He says, verse 3, But I fear lest by any means... As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And if I were going to give a title to this message, that would be it, the simplicity that is in Christ. The word simplicity there means the singleness that is in Christ. In other words, Christ is not a bland concept. Christ is not a generic, uh, indescribable person. He's not a person void of specific character traits. Jesus Christ was a real person who taught specific doctrines and Christians are followers of what he taught. Now, we don't want to go into this, but there are many people that will say, even though they're living an immoral lifestyle, they'll say, well, I know that this is the way I'm living, but I'm a Christian. Well, if you're not following the teachings of Christ, you're not a Christian. A Christian is someone that believes, embraces, and follows the teachings of Christ. Now, that's not to offend someone, but I would recommend to anyone that if you don't believe, accept, and obey the teachings of Christ, that it would be better for you not to identify as a Christian. It would be better to find uh, a religion or a particular leader of a religion that uh, stands for and advocates what you believe, if that's indeed what you believe. Obviously, I don't want you to do that. I want you to be a follower of Christ. But we can define what that means. Paul says, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now listen to this. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. Now there's only one Jesus. What Paul is saying here, if somebody comes to you and advocates some doctrines about Jesus from what I have established you in, that's another Jesus. That is, he's being misrepresented. In the book of Galatians chapter one, Paul says to the churches, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. See, you don't want to be misrepresented. Jesus doesn't want to be misrepresented. He goes on here in 2 Corinthians eleven four says, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted. Ye might well bear with him. Now what that's saying is that Paul says, I am afraid that someone may teach you something about Christ that is not true. I'm afraid that someone may misrepresent the reality of Jesus Christ, and I'm afraid that you'll bear with him. In other words, I'm afraid that you'll just say, well, that's okay. He has a right to believe that. I have a right to believe what I want to believe. You know, it's it's much more sensible to say we have a right to believe the truth about Jesus. Again, think of all the ways that people approach Christianity, and yet they would never approach themselves that way. Would you, want someone to, would you say if, if one person thought you were a lying thief and someone else thought, no, you're an upright, godly person, would you say, it just doesn't matter to me what they believe? As long as they're sincere, as long as they really believe that's the truth, that's okay with me. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? How much the more should we want to believe the truth about Jesus? Now, let's try to focus on that, and again, just the most simple, basic understanding of Jesus Christ. Now, we'll not go into detail in this, but uh, most of us know from the Bible, and most of us know from experience, that we're sinners. Uh, Brother Chris mentioned Brother uh, Landon Waddle, and that he's only five years old, and unless things change, his, he will not live a lot longer unless the Lord intervenes. We'll see, as a result of sin in the world, I'm not talking about his particular sins, but part of the sin curse is that we get sick and we die. Part of the sin curse is, is, is that the, the world itself is, uh, has been invaded with, as was the case in Genesis, with briars and thorns and thistles. You know why there's poison ivy? It's because of the curse of sin. You know why there are brown recluse spiders? It's a curse of sin. Now, they may have been here before them, but they wouldn't bite you and put you in the hospital. See, all of those things, God didn't create the world to be a dangerous place for his people to live, but he put a curse upon it as a consequence of that. And if you find yourself to be like me, that there's part of you that wants to do right, and yet there's part of you sometimes that loves things, that you know really aren't right, that's just evidence that you have that sin curse. It's like there's two people living in you. One of them wants to do right, and the other one wants to do wrong. When I was a child, the car, I remember the cartoons. Uh, now, these are, these are uh, way, way back I'm talking about. I'm talking about Bugs Bunny. And there would be, sometimes they would have a cartoon where uh, the devil would be on this side of the person's shoulder and a little angel on this side, and they were each trying to get the person to do what they wanted them to do. That's not unlike the reality of the situation. Now, we don't have a visible devil over here and a visible angel over here, but Paul said, what I would, I do not, and that which I would not, that's the very thing I do. And he finally said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Jesus came to address and solve that problem. So let's get right to the very core of it. For about 1,400 years, and I'm saying that as an estimate. God's people worshiped him in the Old Testament the way he told them to worship him. And part of that worship involved animal sacrifices. Now, Why in the world did they offer animal sacrifices? Wouldn't it make you feel uncomfortable today If Brother Chris, at the beginning of the worship service, came into the pulpit with a a lamb, and he killed that lamb, and there were certain steps taken with regard to the blood of that lamb, we would would really be, uh, for lack of a better term, that would freak us out, wouldn't it? Why in the world did God tell him to do that? And there were all these details about it. Well, look at Hebrews chapter 10, the first four verses. For the law, that's talking about that Old Testament worship. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Now, what is that talking about? He says the law is like a shadow. You know, when you look at your shadow, you can tell just a few details, can't you? But when you look in the mirror, you can see all kinds of details. Well, he's saying here that the law was like a shadow. In other words, those animal sacrifices, there's some some meaning behind them. It may not be clear. We may not understand it, but it's like a shadow. It's, it's representative or it's related to something that's going to come later. He says it had a shadow of good things to come, but not the very image. In other words, it's not like looking in a mirror. And he goes on to say, it's not the very image of the things and it can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there unto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, let's keep this simple now, in those sacrifices is a remembrance of, Again, made of sins every year. Okay, they worshiped this way for about 1,400 years. Those sacrifices did not resolve the sin problem. He says in those sacrifices is the remembrance of sins. And just to put it as simple as I know how, When they offered those animal sacrifices, God was saying, I want you to always think about that I need a savior. I need a savior. I need someone to be put to death. I need one to lay down his life. I need one to shed blood. Those sacrifices didn't accomplish it. Remember, they're just a shadow. They're they're have some, relemb- some resemblance to the real thing. He says in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year. Okay, here you are living in 2020. Jesus came into the world about 2,000 years ago. You know some things they didn't know. But they worship God the way he said, and they worshiped him by doing things that were a shadow of the real main event that would one day come. So look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Referring to Jesus now, it says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Now see, we're, we're getting the image now. We're looking in the mirror now. By his own blood, he entered, it, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now before you say, well... You know, the Bible's just hard to understand. I mean, it's talking about this holy place uh, where Jesus Jesus entered and made this sacrifice. Well, let the Bible explain the Bible. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. Remember, those priests went into the holy place... That was a physical place in the tabernacle where God told them, you go here once a year and you make this sacrifice. But see, he's just saying that in a symbolic way about Jesus. Because he says here, Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true. In other words, they're just those shadows They're the figures of the true, but he's entered into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world, and we'll see what that means, into the world, in just a second. Once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now let's just be real slow and careful with this. Remember those priests? Physically, literally, offered a physical lamb sacrifice year by year continually. That didn't save them. That just reminded them that they needed a Savior. After worshiping God in that way for about 1,400 years, the the very real thing that calls that shadow came. The reality came, and the reality was Jesus Christ, who was born 2,000 years ago of a virgin named Mary, and the Bible says he came to save his people from their sins. Now remember, for all those years that they offer those animal sacrifices, those sacrifices could not take away sin. But notice what he says here in Hebrews 9 and verse 24. Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Verse 26, it says in the latter part of that verse, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin, By the sacrifice of himself. Now, end of the world there just simply means that that type of worship that they did for 1,400 years has now come to an end. You know, people will sometimes talk today and say, well, that was a different world back then. You know, you talk about the early 1900s, That was a different world back then. That that wasn't a different planet. It wasn't uh, wasn't a different place that we lived. It was just a a different way of life. Well, here's a radical change. (laughs) Jesus came and that law service making those animal sacrifices stopped. You know why? Because he was referred to as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. And did you notice he didn't offer himself to you? He offered himself to God for your sin. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. It's not up to me, it's not on my shoulders. God loved you. Jesus came and made an offering. To God. Remember those animal sacrifices? They weren't made as an offering to the people, were they? They were always made to God. Jesus offered himself to God, and notice what it says at the end of verse twenty six, he's appeared once in the end of the world uh, to do what? To put away sin. Now somebody says, well, I know Jesus loved us. I know Jesus came. I know we can now be saved if we want to be. That's not what this says. It says Jesus came and put away sin. The purpose of preaching today is not to try to save you from your sin. The purpose of preaching today is to let you know that Jesus did. To let you know he put away your sin. And you can then find rest. The word gospel means good news. And it's good news. When you can come to understand. Hey. This struggle I have on the inside. Is there. Because I have an old sin nature. But I also have something in me that wants to. Follow the Lord. And I feel like a lot of times that sinful part of me wins. How many days do you feel like, man, I just, I messed up today. And you go to bed at night and say, Lord, wow. If I'm saved based on performance, I'm not saved. But see, the good news is Jesus 2,000 years ago Put away your sins. And that's why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, Brother Chris, I really need an hour for this, but I'm still (laughs) going to let you preach. In 1 Corinthians 15, notice the first six verses. And we'll conclude with this. Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. The gospel is telling you what Jesus did. It's not what he offered to you. It's not what he made available. It's not what he made possible. The gospel is telling you what Jesus did. Paul says, I'm here to declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now, someone may say, you see there, you've got to believe, or you won't be saved. Well, let's notice what this says. You're saved if you remember what i preach now i don't believe i've ever heard any denomination say that you'll go to heaven if you remember you know what he's talking about here the word saved always when it's used in the sense that it is here means to deliver if i came up to you and said i just saved your child the first thing you're going to say is from what 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 happened was he in danger? Was he drowning? What would you save him from? Paul says that we're saved by the gospel as we remember it. In, what's that talking about? That means if, you want, if you'll just always remember what I've already told you, that Jesus put away your sins and you are going to have them because he did it all for you. Somebody says, if I believe that, I wouldn't care how I live. No, if you believe that, you're going to say, Jesus, what can I do to say thank you? But notice what he says, you're you're saved if you keep in memory. That's just saying that if you'll remember that Jesus put away your sins, you'll be saved from worry, Fear, unrest, wondering whether you're going to heaven—you'll be saved from all that worry and concern if you don't forget this simple truth that Jesus put away your sins. Aren't you glad He's not saying, "Now you better remember, or you won't make it." That's not what He's saying. He's saying, if, "He's saying if you don't remember, if you're, if somebody." deceives you if somebody preaches another jesus if somebody says yeah jesus did something but you got to do something or you won't go to heaven see if you're led away from what i've tried to present to you and you start thinking that's the way it is you know what you're going to start being restless you're going to start saying well i wonder if i'm doing things right jesus put away your sin verse three For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Remember the Scriptures? That's the Old Testament that I talked to you about for a few minutes in the beginning. There were those shadows, those animal sacrifices. Paul says Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures and then he was seen of Cephas and then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are falling asleep. Jesus saved his people from their sins. If you peel back all the layers, here's what the church is about. It's about people coming together like we are this morning and thanking the Lord that he saved us. When we sing, we're, look at the words and ask yourself, is this a hymn that where I can thank the Lord for what he's done for me? When the preacher gets up to preach, he wants to, he wants to tell you what Jesus did so you can thank the Lord. Now, if you believe it and want to be a, a real follower of the Lord, then you ought to be baptized. That doesn't get you to heaven. That's just you saying, I believe he put away my sins. And I want everybody to know it. I want to go into that water. I want to be buried under it and brought up again. Because I want everybody to know that I believe Jesus saved me from our sins. And me believing it didn't save me. Jesus saved me. But I ought to believe it because that will help me find peace and comfort.